Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. I know a lot of you know that uh, Omelie and I are big time baseball fans. Uh, it's kind of a painful thing to love because we live here in Colorado and there's not a good team to choose from. Uh, but uh, I do love going to baseball games. I love going to Coors Field. And I remember a couple years ago, my family and I went to a game over in Denver. We were excited to be there, in fact, so excited to be there, we showed up like an hour before they even opened the gates to let people in. So we started wandering around and, and, and tried to find something to do for the next hour before they'd open the gates to let us in. And, and we found ourselves wandering down the street and we saw a menu on the side of a building, thought this looked good. Uh, let's grab a little bit of dinner before we go to the game. So, so we stepped in and, and we're looking here at the restaurant, and it looked kind of nice. I mean, there's white tablecloth and, and on some of the tables and all that up front. I'm thinking, this, this is pretty nice. So uh, I, we walk up to the stand, and I said, do you have room for four people? And, and I'm looking around, and, and it was kind of a stupid way to ask the question, because I know they have room for four people. There's, like, no one in the restaurant. I said, do you have room for four people? And she goes, um, what's your name, sir? And I gave her my name. She goes, do you have a reservation? <laughs> no. <laughs> And she goes, oh, well, we're all booked up. Uh, I kind of I did the thing. I, like, stand up on my toes, and I'm looking over her shoulder, like, am I being punked right now? Like, like really? And she, she's kind of looking at me like, ah. and I, she goes, all of those are reserved. <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. There's got to be a seat here somewhere. She goes, you have to have a reservation. It's a game night. You're not going to get in. So my family, we turn around as I'm walking out the door. At first, I'm really frustrated. I'm like, you kidding me? Like, I, am I not dressed properly to go into this restaurant? What was that all about? And I remember being frustrated because she's telling me that all of these places here were reserved, that I, I wasn't allowed to sit there. And as I, I start to bark about this a little bit, I realize, you know what? It makes sense. I've, I've made reservations before, and I would be very frustrated if I made a reservation, showed up on time for the reservation, and there was someone else in my place, and I wasn't able to eat where I wanted to eat. And really, what we see is taking place in this passage of Scripture is that God had an encounter with Jacob, and he said, now, Jacob, what I want you to do is I want you to build an altar. He, in an altar, you've got to understand, is a physical place. It's a, it, it was, it was a, a structure of stone and wood that was built up where, where people would meet exclusively with God. There was nothing else that was done at the altar. It was set apart. This is the place where we meet with God. We, we don't sell stuff from here. We, we, we don't do anything else here but meet with God. It was a physical location. And God is saying, I want you to have a place set up where you don't do anything but you meet with me. It like... I, I want to meet with you. This is important. And we see in, in the Old Testament here, it was very clear that people were told to set up an altar, that there was a physical location. And, and you've got to understand today, when I'm talking about making a place for God, I'm not talking about a physical location. 
Not that there's anything wrong with that. I know there are many of you in this room that you have like a prayer closet or you have a specific chair that you like to sit in and, and read your Bible in in the mornings. And, and that's wonderful. That's a great thing. Uh, I have different locations I like to go to and spend time with God. But, but really what we're talking about here is not a physical location as much as it's a place within your soul, a place deep down on the inside. Do you have a place that is reserved exclusively for God? That you don't let anyone else into that place. Your kids don't get into that place. Your, your friends don't get into that place. Your spouse doesn't even get into that place. This place is set apart exclusively for God. This is my altar. Not a place of stone, but a place on the inside that I reserve. A part of me that, that not everyone gets to know. It's a place where I worship from. It's a place where I communicate from. It's a, it's a place where, where I share the deepest parts of who I am with my creator. And you can't just let anyone into that place. In fact, I mean, your, your spouse can't be in that place. There are parts of me that Amelie doesn't know. There are parts of me that I don't share with her because not only can she not handle uh, know, knowing every little intimate detail that I shouldn't be communicating with anyone, uh, she doesn't want it, you know? And that's the truth about the person you're sitting next to is like, not only can they not handle the, the, the deepest parts of you that only your creator knows about, is that they don't want it. And I wonder, do you have a place where you keep set up that this, this is a part I'm not going to share with anyone else except the God who created me? Do you understand how important it is that you have a place where you meet with God? You know, in the Old Testament, we see from the beginning, God showed us he wanted to meet with us. In the garden with Adam and Eve, he, he, he would meet with them. He would walk with them through the garden. In fact, we see after the, the fall of man, after the original sin, we see that, that after that took place, the Bible says God was walking through the garden and he was looking for them. He had gone back to that place where he was expecting to meet with them. He had an appointment with them. This is the time I'm going to meet with, with uh, this man and this woman. I'm going to meet with my kids here. I, I want to meet with them and talk to them. And he's going, guys, where you at? Hey, Adam, where are you at? I'm here. He's walking through the garden looking because he had an expectation to meet with the kids he created. We see it moves on that it wasn't just in the garden that God wanted to meet with people, but we see later God said, I want you to set up a tabernacle. A tabernacle is basically like a church building that was a tent, and they would move it around from place to place, and, and, and there was all sorts of religious symbols in this tent that would represent the presence of God. God would dwell there with his people, and people would come in to worship him at the tabernacle, and there was a location where people would come and go, we're not going to do anything else here. We're not selling things here. We're, we're not here to socialize with anyone else we're here to simply meet with God it was it was a physical location that would move around we see later on Solomon built a temple which took the place of the tabernacle and, and so in Jerusalem there's a permanent structure a building set up where, where people would go in and meet in the presence of God but we see after Jesus made a way for you and I to to come into the presence of God on our own because of his death and burial and resurrection, because he took the place for our sins. The Bible then tells us in the New Testament that there's a new place where God wants to meet with us. It's not a physical location anymore, but in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? 
That we don't need to go to a temple somewhere. We don't need to go to a church building somewhere. We we don't need to have an altar set up in our backyard somewhere as being the only specific place we meet with God. But we have to understand that where God wants to meet with us is in our own body. He wants that deep part of you, that, that thing on the inside that you take with you. So he can meet with you wherever you go. He can meet with you when you're driving down the street. He can meet with you when you're having issues with your boss. He can meet with you when you're in another country. It doesn't matter where you're at. God wants a place with you, a place set up that's exclusive for his presence alone. See, it's important that we understand that not only do we set this place up, but we don't let anything else get in that place. Because the world we live in, it's a culture that's going to be continually trying to Uh, allow other people and other things to get into that deepest part of who you are and we can't let it happen in a relationship with God we've got to protect that place we've got to fight for that place because we even see there were there was great men and women all throughout scripture who would let other things into that sacred place in their hearts in fact Solomon Bible described as the wisest man who ever lived throughout his youth he did wonderful things for God but unfortunately a horribly sad verse in the Bible 1 Kings 11:4 says as Solomon grew old his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as his heart as the heart of David his father's had been so here we have this wise man who loved God and he's let some other things into that place that should have been reserved exclusively for God. It separated him from God. So today, in the time that we have together, I, I want to ask the question, do you have a place in your life that's exclusively for God? Do you have an altar? Do you have a place where you don't let anything else in? And, and a lot of us in here, we're dealing with the symptoms of pain in life because we've let other things into that altar. There's people in this room struggling with depression because you let other people into a place that they can't handle being there in your life. And since they can't handle being there, um, there there's sadness that comes with that. There's needs that need to be met at the altar. And when you let uh, drugs in, when you let other people in, it's going to fail you every time. They'll let you down every time. So I wonder, do you have a place where you say, you know what, nothing's getting into this place except for the presence of my creator, the relationship with my Lord Jesus Christ. So what I want to do in the time that we have this morning is I want to talk about seven benefits of having an altar. Seven benefits of having a place reserved exclusively for God. Number one, here's some things you need to know about it. Number one, an altar is a place of sanctity. An altar is a place of sanctity. It's an inner sanctuary, a place where God himself wants to reside in your life. It's a place where you worship him from. It's a place where there's rest, a place where there's escape. Because see, when you meet with God and you allow him into the most intimate parts of your life, when you're inviting him in, we see that he brings his attributes with him. He brings his blessings with him. And one of the things the Bible says is that, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So when you invite Jesus into your life, you invite him into the innermost parts of who you are, what he does is he brings his peace with him into your life and that's why we search for peace in so many other areas unfortunately we try to find it in different areas we try to fill it with different things like drugs and alcohol and and stuff like that thinking something's got to take away the stress of this insane world we live in so we look for these other things and we invite them in and all it does is brings more chaos but if we keep the place exclusive 
Say, there's a part of me I'm not going to let just anything into. I'm not going to let pornography into. I'm not going to let those types of shows. I'm not going to listen to those types of things on the radio. All it does is it it wrecks my altar. It wrecks who I am on the inside. It wrecks what I've got going on with God. So I'm going to keep it exclusive because it's so important that I, I just want peace in my life. How many of you want more peace in your life? I mean, we pray for it. You, you, you get online, you Google books about peace. There are millions of different uh, websites on, and books and teachings and videos about how to find peace. I mean, there's jokes about it from television shows and stuff like that. Serenity now! You know, I just I need to somehow find some way to get a little peace in my life. See, when you have an altar, God can bring peace with you wherever you go. I learned this when my girls were little, about toddler age. I remember uh, I was coming to work, and I deal with the normal stresses of an everyday job. I mean, the the world we live in can be insane and can be stressful. And I'm arguing with people and having some rough phone conversations and trying to fix this problem and that problem. And then this thing breaks. So we got to fix that. And I got all these different things going on in my mind, normal to human life, stuff you guys deal with every day of your life as well. And I remember getting in my truck and driving home to a house that has three females in it. And and when I get into my house with three females, there is a lot of talk going on. Like chatter, chatter, chatter. Daddy, come over here and look at this. You gotta see what we did over here. And then we danced today and you're not gonna believe this. And would you take me out wrestling? Let's do the all sorts of noise. And I remember just coming in going, I am not ready for this. I had a rough, I want to just sit on the couch. I just want to watch a little baseball. I just want to take a deep breath. And I remember sitting there on the couch one night just going like, I'm not fulfilling the role of being a father right now. And I'm not, I'm not fulfilling the role of being a husband. And why is because uh, I've been lacking peace so much that I'm just, I'm choosing to just veg out and check out of this situation because I don't have any peace. And I remember I started to make a change where I would, on the drive home, go to my altar. I'd go to that place with God, and I would turn the radio off in my car, and I'd just begin to talk to him about the issues of the day, and I'd begin to worship him and, and, and ask him for help and say, God, would you meet with me now? Would you give me peace? Because when I go into my house, my daughters need a father, and my, my, my wife needs a husband. So, God, I want to be the type of man you created me to be. Help me to, now, God. And I remember I would sit there, and I'd park the car and turn the key off, and I'd thank God for the fact that I had a healthy family and I would go in into my house from a place of the altar of peace. Because an altar is a place of sanctity and we need that. I wonder, do you ever go to your place of sanctity? Do you have a place where you meet with God where he brings you peace no matter what the circumstances? An altar, number one, is a place of sanctity. Number two, an altar is a place of sacrifice. A place of sacrifice. An altar is a place where fe- fleshly things were brought to be killed. Where, where fleshly things were brought to die. It's where the junk in your life goes to die. It's where addictions go to die and sins go to die. You have to have a place in your life where regularly you're bringing things to God and going, God, there's this dark part in me and I gotta get rid of it. I gotta give it over to you. I, 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 wanna, I, I want it to die. I want you to take it away from me. And there's an exchange that takes place at the altar where, where, where we give God the things that are, are, are disgusting and wrong and need to be sacrificed in life. We give him our sin and, and as he meets with us there, he gives gives us grace and forgiveness and mercy. It's a place where we go and we ask him to forgive us of our sins. Do you have that place? Do you do, you do that regularly? 
Do you meet with God regularly? Because the truth is, what we see about Jacob is he's told, I want you to go to where I met with you and build an altar. So that tells us Jacob had an encounter with God. In fact, you can see it in Genesis 32, three chapters earlier. He meets with God. And he has an encounter with him. He meets with him. He knows God now, and he walks away from it, and he never set up a place where he was meeting with God on a regular basis, a continual basis. I wonder, first off, have you met with God? Do you know Jesus Christ? That's, that's the first question everyone in this room needs to answer. And then second, do you meet with him regularly? I'm not just, yeah, I met God when I was 12. Uh, yeah, but you're 45 now. When was the last time you talked to him? Like, do you, do you have a relationship with him? Do you continue to talk to him? And just like this point, do you continue to come back and sacrifice the parts of your life that continue to grow, the fleshly things that grow up that you don't even really want them there? Because in your relationship with God, you ha there has to be sacrifice. There has to be things you're getting rid of on, on a spiritual level, but also life itself takes sacrifice. You realize there's no such thing as success without sacrifice. Man, my generation, we want all the success and we don't want the sacrifice. We want what our parents have, but we want it earlier and we don't want to pay the price to be able to get it. And, and there's not just my generation, but, but there's a whole culture that we live in where it's like we're not willing to make the sacrifices to be able to stay committed to something long enough to have success. And it's at the altar where you come before God and he gives you the strength to be able to make the sacrifices, where he gives you the strength to be able to stick it out when, when you're in a marriage relationship where they're struggling. You feel like, well, well, she's just not meeting all my needs. And he's just not meeting all my needs. And that's why people get divorced and say, well, she's not meeting all my needs, so I'm out of here. Well, what the Bible tells us very clearly is that no one's going to meet all your needs. There's not a single person on the planet that will ever fulfill all your needs. It's what we call the 80-20 principle, that the very best you're ever going to get in a relationship with another person is that they might fulfill like 80% of your needs. Why is that? Because there's a part inside you that can only be touched, can only be fixed, can only be filled by a relationship with Jesus Christ. And once you begin to recognize that, then... You can start to go, God, she's driving me nuts. She's not meeting my needs. But you know what? I want to meet with you today, God, because honestly, I don't think she's supposed to meet that need in me. I don't think she can touch me in a place where only my creator knows about. She, she, she doesn't know about the most intimate parts of who you created me to be. And when we start to get to that place, we go, you know what? Now I'm willing to make the sacrifices of not always feeling happy all the time, not always getting my way all the time. And I'm going to stick it out because I want to see the type of fruit and success that my God wants me to have. Life takes sacrifice and you have to have an altar to be able to continue to sacrifice we got to teach our kids this. we got to teach them sometimes. Like, I'm sick. I don't want to go to school today. Take an Advil and go to school. You're going to be fine. Like, we, we can't just baby people through life. It takes, it takes the commitment to say, you know what? Yeah, there's a struggle. Yeah, there's a sacrifice that has to take place. And how do you do that? How do you get to a place where you just go, I'm willing to commit through the sacrifice? You have to have that altar. You have to have a place where you're meeting with God and he's giving you the strength to move forward. Number three, an altar is a place of service. Everybody who ever did anything great for God, the first thing they did is built an altar. 
We could talk about many different people in Scripture. Noah, as soon as the, the ark landed on dry land, the first thing he did was build an ark. We see Jacob here as God told him to move to Bethel. The first thing that he did was built an altar there. We have to realize that if you're going to serve God, you have to have a place where you meet the God that you serve. Because if God is going to give you the strategy on the day, you have to have a place where you're meeting with him, and that's got to be where you serve from. That's got to be how you, you work through your day, work through your life, work through your ministry assignments, is you have to meet with him. The Bible says we wage war not against flesh and blood, but of principalities and rulers of this world. You're in a spiritual battle every day of your life, and you can't just go into it going, I hope I make it today. You've got to go into it speaking to the God who created you and say, God, I need to know what is your strategy and your plan for me today. How do you want me to serve you today? And if you ask him, he'll tell you. And he'll begin to give you the strategy as you're on the way to work and you're meeting with him there. Personally, just, God, what do you want me to do? He might say, you know what, I want you to remain peaceful today. I want you to not get in a fight with your coworker today, but instead just listen to him. And you might hear a different strategy for whatever situation you're going into, but you got to go into service expecting that if I'm serving God, I've got to be meeting with him to understand how he wants me to serve him. See, for us to serve, we've got to have a place where we go and we meet with him regularly, or we won't have the ability to stick it out when things don't go our way. Because I'm sure you know this, you felt this. How many of you have signed up and said, I want to do something, I want to do something great, I want to serve God, and as soon as you raise your hand and say, I'm in, I want to serve him, then you start to recognize, wait a minute, things aren't going exactly the way I'd want them to go. If I was leading this thing, I'd do it a little bit different. If we, if we go into life and not having a place where we're meeting with God and serving him, then as soon as things don't go our way, we'll quit. I remember when I was, I was a young man, I was 14 years old, when I first shared with some of our pastors, I was 12 when I shared it with my father, but 14 when I shared with some of our pastors on the staff, I want to be a pastor someday. I started talking to your youth pastor about it and some of the other pastors on the staff. And I remember we gathered together and I'm like, you guys, I, I want to be a pastor. Teach me to be a pastor. What do I got to do to be a pastor? And I'm like, that's great. That's awesome. And they kind of, they prayed over me, kind of kicked me out of the office, talked for a little bit. And they said, okay, uh, what we want you to do, I want you to go with Mike and uh, Mike's going to show you what you can start doing right now. So uh, I got behind Mike, and we went down the hallway, and he brought me to where there was a mop bucket, and he said, okay, the men's bathroom is disgusting right now. I want you to go and clean the men's bathroom. So I'm thinking they just need more time to talk about how they're going to help me become a pastor. So I grabbed the mop bucket, and I'm scrubbing in there and, and, and going, soon they're going to come up with a plan to teach me how to be a pastor. And, and as soon as I'm done with this, I can't wait to hear what the plan is. So I finished the bathroom, and, and I put the mop bucket up, and I went into Mike's office. and said, okay, uh, so did you guys come up with a plan? He's like, yeah, the, the auditorium is dirty. Would you please go vacuum the auditorium? And I remember as a young man getting very frustrated, going, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up to be a custodian. I signed up to be a pastor. As soon as I asked them at 14 to be a pastor, I was thinking, certainly they're going to give me next Sunday, and I'm going to be up on stage teaching all the adults how it is, you know. That's what I thought at 14. And, and I remember that it was in this stage that I was frustrated because things weren't exactly going the way I wanted, but I was serving God, and I was cleaning things, and I was picking up after things. And i got to tell you, it's humbling to, to clean up after people. I didn't realize how much I was learning about being a pastor in a place where I was serving people in, in ways that, that we don't even want to talk about. 
I mean, because there was days I would come into the church and, and they would tell me to clean the bathroom. So I'd just be, no, you know, not again. I'd go there and flip the light on and just, ah, like, seriously, turn the light on, guys, when you go in the bathroom. Like, I don't know what you guys do in there, but you're messy, right? But it was in those times where I wanted to quit really bad. And I didn't understand until years later really what God was teaching me about where he was bringing me in that time. But I would have quit if I didn't have a place where I was going back to him every day going, God, uh, I just want to serve you. What do you want me to do? And, and he would continue to whisper to me, just keep on going. Keep on doing it. I wonder, do you have a place where you meet with God so that he can give you the strength to serve? The strength to serve those people that are hard to serve. You have some people in your life that are difficult. Man, you got some people in your life that are difficult. And you got to serve them. God said if we, if we want to be the greatest, we've got to be the least. I mean, we got to serve the people that, that, that are not the most fun to serve. And I wonder, do you meet with God and allow him to give you your strength? You have to have an altar. Number four, an altar is where God is revealed. It was at the altar that God told Jacob, I am God Almighty. I am God Almighty. It's at your altar where God shows you who he is. He shows you that he's in control. He shows you that, that, that he is powerful. And so you've got to have this place because there's going to be times in your life when you go through difficulties. And some of you, you've been through the diagnosis. And you've been through the divorce. You've been through the loss of a loved one. And when you go through these dark places, you can start to think, I, I just don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I have what it takes. And, and that's where the devil will come in and start to try to tell you, you don't have what it takes. And you're going to fall apart. Look, this is the end for you. But it's at the altar. If you'll set up an altar where you meet with God in those darkest places and say, God, why am I going through this? Would you meet with me now? Would you help me? It's when God will show up on the scene and reveal who he is in the middle of your struggle. And he says, you you know what? I am God Almighty and I'm still in control in the middle of the storm. And it, and it doesn't matter what the doctor said because I'm still your God and I'm going to walk with you right through it. And it doesn't matter that she said she's going to leave you because I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm right here with you right in the middle of this. I wonder, do you have a place where you meet with God where he reveals his power to you when you're going through struggles? You don't want to find yourself in the place where you're going through a dark valley, the worst circumstances, and you, you don't even know where to meet with God. You don't, you don't even have a place set up for him because you've let other things in there. You, I mean, it, what I've turned to in the past, it's got to be, I'll turn to this sin or that problem or this addiction or this habit. And, and it's like now, now there's this wrestling going on. Should I turn to one of those? No, we've got to have a place where we're meeting with God. I learned this lesson in the hospital couple different times. When my daughter was in the NICU, when my father was in the ICU from his heart attack, when I met in the hospital with different uh, friends and family and loved one, even in this room uh, where you, you've had people going through difficulties and I met with you there, there's been times where I've sat there in the waiting room and met with God and he's revealed that he's there with us in those struggles. And it's nothing special about the waiting room there. It's about do you have a place in your life, exclusively kept for God. So an altar is a place where God is revealed. Number five, an altar defines you. It was at the altar that God gives his identity to Jacob again. He says, they've called you Jacob. You're, they've called you Jacob, which means crook, thief. Like, 
usurper. He's someone who is a trickster, who is a liar, a con artist. Could you imagine naming your kid something like that? Come here, you little crook. <laughs> like, there he is again, little con artist, little scamster. That's what this kid grew up with. And, and it was at the altar here, we see in chapter 35, where when he was meeting with God at the altar, God spoke to him again and said, you are not Jacob. You're not what they said you are. You're, you're not whatever, the, see, this world you live in is gonna try to categorize you and say, you're an alcoholic. You know, you're, you're just like your dad was. It's just the way things are. It's the way you're gonna be. And, he's, and God says to you that you are not who they say you are. And he said, instead, you're Israel, which means prince. You're a prince, you're a princess, you're strong, you're powerful, you're fortified, you're a conqueror, you're a ruler, you're gonna do great things in your life, you gotta move forward. But, but what's so shocking about this is when God met with Jacob and told him in chapter 35 that he, uh, uh, that he was not a crook, that he was not Jacob, but he was a prince, it wasn't the first time that God told him that. Because what we see is when when Jacob first met with God in chapter 32 of Genesis, we see God told him the exact same thing. He gave him his identity, but what did Jacob do? Jacob didn't set up a place for God. He just kept on moving on with his life. So what are they calling him in this story? They're calling him Jacob. He heard it from God once, but he didn't set up a place for God to do work in his life. He, he just had that one encounter, but he didn't make it a personal, ongoing relationship with him there. So as he continued on, he, they, he still let people call him Jacob. I guess they're still just going to categorize me. They're going to keep me here. But it's when he said, you know what? I'm going to set up a place where I meet exclusively with God. I'm not going to let anyone else into that part of my life. I'm going to meet with them re there regularly. When he met with God now, God said, let me remind you who you are. Because the world's going to continue to try to tell you who they think you are, and now I'm ready to show you who you are. I wonder, do you have a place where you go back to God where he can remind you who you are so you don't get lost in this world, so you don't forget who you are, so you don't forget why he gave you the giftings and the abilities and created you and put you in this time and this place for right now. He'll show you. No one else is going to be able to do that, and that leads us to the next one. The altar is a place that unlocks your destiny. An altar is a place that unlocks your destiny. See, God showed him who he was at the altar, and then he showed him what he was going to do. He told him, Jacob, there's a great nation in you. You're destined to do great things. There, there's legacy with you. There's, there's blessings that are going to come out of you. And, and there's a lot of us, we go through life, and we're trying to figure out, why am I here? What am I on earth for? What am, what am I doing in life? And we ask all sorts of different people, what, should, what do you think I should do with my life? We ask our aunts and our uncles and our teachers and all, all different people, what is it I should be doing? And no one's going to be able to answer that question except for the God who created you. And when you meet with them, he begins to tell you, this is why I've put the gifts in you and the abilities in you that I have because this is what you're going to do in this life. I have people that ask me a question all the time, and I've told you this over and over again over the last 15 years in ministry. I drive people nuts with this question, but people will come to me and they'll say, um, i got a big decision coming up. Um, what should I do? Should I move here or should I stay here and buy this business? So give me some sort of a, a flip the coin type of a decision, and, and I'll I'll always answer back, and it ticks people off when I answer this question, but I'll say, well, what is God telling you to do? 
Because you don't want me to flip the coin with the outcome of your life and go, well, I think you should do this. You don't want my opinions on life. You want to know what God is telling you to do. And of course, we should gather around other people and pray together and and join in together so that God will give us wisdom and speak to us and people can hear uh, from God for you on your behalf. But really, if we have an altar, we should be able to go right to that place where we meet with him and say, God, what what is it that you want me to do? The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He wants to speak to you. He'll unlock your destiny if you make a place for him. And then the last one, if you'll stand with me, the seventh thing in an altar is an altar releases your inheritance. God said to Jacob, just like I blessed your grandfather and your father, now I'm going to bless you. You realize God wants to unlock blessings in your life? That really, we see that there was generational blessings there. And I'm so thankful that I come from a family that has generational blessings. That I've seen my, my grandfather and my grandmother, their, their love for God on both sides of the family. I've seen my parents' love for God, and I've seen the blessings that have come from that. He said, I want to unlock that in your life if you'll just set up a place for me. But what we see is so cool about this is it doesn't matter if you come from a good family or a bad family, because what's being communicated to Jacob here is he's saying, because Jacob's like, wait a minute, I'm a crook, I'm a thief, I've done so many things wrong, I've failed over and over again. And in this story, God's saying, none of that matters because you've set up a place for me in your life. And since you've set up a place for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not just pour out inheritance that should be passed through your family, I'm going to pour out my inheritance on you. And there's some of us, that's good news for you because you're going, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily want some of the inheritance I would receive from my family, but what I want is the inheritance that God has for me. I want his joy, his peace. I want a home forever in heaven. I want a future with God. I want vision. I want to be able to move forward with boldness and courage in life. See, I wonder today, if you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment, do you have a place in your life that is set apart exclusively for God? Do do you have a part where you don't let anything else in there, but this is a place where I meet with God. This is a part of me I reserve for my relationship with God. This is a part of my day where where I don't do anything else, but I spend time worshiping and talking to God, reading my Bible. I want to get closer to him. Do you have times in your life that are reserved for him? Because God wants to unlock so many different things and pour them out on you. But I wonder, are we filling those very times that we have with God? Are we filling that part in our own life with so many other things that we're missing what it is that God's trying to put in our hands? I just sense right now, I think there's some people in this room that you might just need to pray and ask God to forgive you. Because maybe you've let some other things in to that place. Maybe you've let people in on that place. You, you've shared the most intimate parts of who you are with some people that have failed you, they've hurt you, they've ran away from you, they, they've taken the information and wounded you with it. Maybe it's a sin or something that you keep bringing, going back into, an addiction, a habit, and, and you feel like it's, it's bringing, you're trying to look for peace, but it's just bringing more and more and more chaos. What I want to do is I just want to pray right now And all of us in our own words, let's ask God to forgive us for letting anything else in there. And I want to encourage you to begin right now. 
that this would be a moment you say, you know what? We've decided already this year that we're going to put God first. And it wasn't just about a revival. It wasn't just about the first three days of the year. But it's a commitment for the rest of our life from this day forward to go, you know what? God is going to be first in every area of my life. From the most intimate parts of who I am to my schedule, my calendar, every part of me, he's first. He gets a reserved seat in my life. So Heavenly Father, we just pray right now that you would be with each and every one of us. And I really, I believe your Holy Spirit is speaking to us right now. And I, I believe that some of us are going to need some help clearing some stuff out, making room for you, getting rid of some habits, getting rid of some junk, making a part in our life where, where we just come to you, we spend it with you regularly, that our relationship with you wouldn't be just a Sunday morning thing, but our relationship with you would be an ongoing, every day, every moment of our life, communication with the God who loves us. So Jesus, we thank you for every person in this room. We pray that you would reign in our lives. We pray that we would meet with you and that it wouldn't just be an occasional thing, but it would be the habit of our lives. So bless us in this room. We pray that we would go with boldness and courage. And then God, right now as a church family, we want to thank you for the people that are getting into baptism service right now. They're going to be getting into the water, lives given over to you. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. And we thank you that we get to witness it again today. So we give you all the honor. We give you glory and praise. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Let's give him a shout of praise before we go today. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord and confess that you are my savior, that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven with you. And God, I ask you this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need additional prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.